0: Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Let me just offer, again, a real straightforward talk. We're not going to call this a sermon, uh, uh, anything less than like 20 minutes. You can't call a sermon. Uh, So... Uh, and just, just in a very straightforward way, let me talk about five eyewitness reasons we celebrate baptism. So, since Easter, we've been um, exploring this idea of eyewitnesses. Uh, the fact is that, uh, according to everything we know about history, the Uh, Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus, are reliable uh, in that they were written by eyewitnesses to the things that they were writing about, uh, or by folks who were very close to the eyewitnesses uh, about all things concerning Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and uh, his ascension. And we've been talking about how that based on those eyewitness accounts, Some 2,000 years ago, there are many of us who now can say, I witness, I witness to Jesus and who he is because I have experienced the resurrected Jesus in my life. So uh, with that in mind, the first eyewitness reason we celebrate baptism is that Jesus was baptized, and in response to his life, death, resurrection, and before his ascension, he commanded his followers to be baptized as well and to baptize all of those who believed in him. And we see an example of this in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16. Jesus appeared to the 11. This is after the resurrection, prior to the ascension. Jesus appeared to the 11. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, made right with God, reconciled to the life they were meant to live. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is one of several examples where Jesus commanded his followers to follow his example and be baptized, but not only that, but that when someone confessed their faith in him, to baptize those people as well. Here's the second eyewitness reason we celebrate baptism. The eyewitnesses to the gospel responded to the gospel by being baptized. We know this. We see a number of examples of this. And and to get into this just for a moment, I'm going to go to the uh, New Testament book, the fifth book in the New Testament called The Acts of the Apostles, or The Actions of the Apostles, which is where we're told how those first Uh, followers of Jesus responded to the gospel. So in the actual gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have essentially biographies of Jesus. They cover essentially, well, they cover the same period of time, which is uh, uh, beginning in in most cases before the life of Jesus, in one case uh, during the life of Jesus, and up uh, and until his resurrection. So they're biographies of Jesus. They tell us the story of Jesus. In the book of Acts, we have uh, essentially a history of the actions of those first people who believed that Jesus was who he said he was, did what he said he uh, did and would do what he said he would do. And so now we see how people responded to Jesus because the book of Acts starts with the ascension and Jesus telling his followers to go and to wait Uh, for the promise of the Father to come, which was the Holy Spirit, which they did. They went and they waited for about seven days, and then the Holy Spirit came, and the Christian church was born. They didn't call themselves Christians at that time. They didn't call themselves Christians for many years. They just saw themselves as a a sect of faithful Jews who believed Jesus was the Messiah. But this is where now we would say it like this, that the Christian church was born, was, was there in the Uh, the upper room some seven days after the ascension. And when the Holy Spirit came... Uh, It spilled out from the people who had been waiting for seven days, as Jesus told them to. Those people were told in the book of Acts. Included Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of this group. Uh, The the, the half brothers of Jesus, who we uh, I taught about on Easter Sunday, Um, the the eleven who were left, the twelve minus Judas, Um, and then there about there was another group of people. There's about 120 people. The Holy Spirit comes. It spills out of the room that they're in. Uh, It it seems. Seems to end up uh, uh, gathering a huge crowd, and Peter stood on the steps of the temple, and he preached what I like to call the first gospel message, because this is post-gospel. The gospel is the life, death resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. You really couldn't preach the full gospel until all of those things happened. And so uh, Jesus is now ascended to heaven, and Peter stands up, and for the very first time in history, he explains how we're, who Jesus was. He puts it all together. This is in Acts, the second chapter. He puts it all together, and uh, he explains to that crowd of several thousand people there who Jesus was and how he fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was that he claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. And Peter said he was. And when he after he makes this case, people said, "Well, what are we supposed to do about this?" And what he says in response to that is very, very important. There's a there's a it's unnecessary to say this. It probably takes up too much time, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, there is a principle in theology called the law of first mention, which. Uh, states that the first time a thing is mentioned is the most important time it's mentioned and that every other time it's mentioned in scripture is a response to the first time it's mentioned. This, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, is the first time that someone says, this is what we're supposed to do in response to who Jesus was and what he did, including his resurrection. This is what we do, all right, here's Acts two thirty-six. I took a long time to get to that, didn't I? So Peter ends this sermon he preached. Well, actually, thankfully, after... We're then told with many other words, he then preached the rest of this. I'm thankful for the many other words part. That's my favorite part. Uh, It was a long sermon. God, he said, God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Which, friends, is a great question to still ask 2,000 years after the fact. What do we do about what Jesus did and who he is? So this was the question, and the response of Peter, and this is the first time we're told what to do. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn from living life your way. Turn to live life God's way. Be baptized. And uh, when you do, it deals with sin, and now you are can be filled and will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then as we move through the book of Acts, which again covers about a kind of in an episodic way, episodic and sporadic way, the first 50 years of the early, now at some point they begin to be called Christians, Christians. Christian church. Let's just see another couple of examples of how people responded to hearing the good news about Jesus. What do we mean when we say the good news of Jesus? I'll repeat myself uh, because I think it's so important. It can't be said too much. It means that he lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He died paying the penalty for our sins and making us right with God. He was buried, but because he had paid the price for sin, death couldn't hold him, he was raised bodily from the dead, and showed himself alive to many people, some 500 people, and then he ascended to heaven and told them to go wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and this is when the church is born. So the good news is to believe the the gospel, which means good news, about the life, death, resurrection an ascension of Jesus, okay? So Acts chapter 8, a guy named Philip goes to a place named Samaria. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, what did they do? They were baptized, both men and women. And then at later in the same chapter, Philip goes and meets a guy who's Famously called the Ethiopian eunuch, an unfortunate uh, name. Uh, actually, this guy was a very high official in the in the court of the Ethiopian queen. He was in charge of all the treasury. So essentially, now Philip is speaking to the uh, uh, secretary of the treasurer, who seems to be practicing Judaism, though in an Ethiopian context. And uh, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And the eunuch said, "Here is water. What?" Can Stand in the way of my being baptized. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. How does somebody respond to the good news about Jesus? they were baptized. You go to Acts chapter 10, the first non-Jewish followers of Jesus are being preached to by the apostle Peter in the household of a a Roman centurion called Cornelius. This is, I don't remember exactly, but something like probably uh, seven or eight years after the Christian church was born. Uh, The first Gentiles believe in Jesus. And, And when they did, the Holy Spirit came on them. And then Peter said, surely no one can, Stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I'm not an orderer. I don't think anyone, uh, that's not anyway. But if I could order someone to do something, it would, to order them, to be baptized in response to the gospel. That's what Peter did. Obviously, I'm not the apostle Peter, so uh, we don't need to worry about that. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Acts chapter 16, um, uh, the very famous story of Paul and Silas being held in prison and there's a supernatural jailbreak. And and, the, and then the, the jailer there in Philippi says to Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved." Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Now, I could go on and on with examples of this and what Scripture teaches about this, but for this second of five points, this is my longest point for which you can be grateful, uh, I'll just simply finish by talking about how the Apostle Paul responded to seeing the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, which I taught about um uh, i think on easter sunday as well he the jesus appears to him in bodily form some five years after he had ascended to heaven. And here's how Paul responded. He goes into Damascus, and there's a, 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 a leader of the, of the young Christian church there named Ananias. And Ananias said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. I like that. He says, "What, what are you waiting for? And that's the tenor. That's the tone. That's the way baptism is talked about in Scripture. It's like, well, what do you do in response to Jesus? If you believe, you get baptized. What are you waiting for? There's water. What's keeping me from this? Why wouldn't I do this? Of course, I'm a believer. Where's the water? Good news. It's right here. Here's the third. Here's the third reason that we celebrate baptism today. Baptism is a public confession of our faith in Jesus. Baptisms where you you come out if you please, wherever you're hiding as it concerns the fact of your faith and you say and this is why we baptize in front of people. This is why we do it in a crowd. It's very intentional. I can understand the sentiment that says, oh, dear Lord, I don't want to get baptized on all those people. Can you imagine what my hair is going to look like? I mean, I think about this a lot. There's a reason why you get baptized in front of people. It's a public confession of your faith. You're saying, it's part of the deal. Hey, everybody, I believe in the good news about Jesus, and I'm in. But it's not just a public confession. Fourth, the power of God is present with us and in us when we baptize with faith in our hearts. This is extremely important. It's it's important to understand that when you get baptized, it's just not a public getting wet. There is a power from God that is present in the baptism. This is is true of all the sacraments. When, When we... When we celebrate one of the sacraments, or some would call them ordinances, those things we were ordered to do by Jesus in the New Testament, when we celebrate those, God's presence is in those things through our faith. It doesn't mean that the things aren't the same things they already were. It just means God's presence is present in ordinary things. So when we receive communion here, the crackers that you eat, the unleavened bread those are just crackers. They don't become, I don't want to disappoint you here, they don't become anything other than crackers because I say a prayer over them. And by the way, they don't become anything other than crackers when anybody else says a prayer over them either. They're crackers. The juice is just juice. Probably the most inexpensive we could find to serve so many people. I, I, I want to talk about what's true and what's not true here, okay? And I want to make sense. This water is not holy because I touch it. It's just water, and I'm just a man. okay? It's just water. However, when someone receives communion with faith in Jesus in their heart, God is present because of the faith the person, exercises in the gospel. And so God is present in something like a cracker or, and not so much, I'm not so much concerned about whether or not he's present in the actual element. That's not the point. He's presence, He's present with us and in us as we receive communion with faith in him. This is why there's a special presence from God when we come together around the table and receive communion. It's not the elements that are sacred, it's your faith in Jesus that causes God's Holy Spirit to be present in that moment. And when someone is baptized in this water with faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present in that act. And not only is the Holy Spirit present in that act, but the Holy Spirit does something significant in our hearts, in our in ourselves as a result of the presence of God that's in that in that act. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 spells this out beautifully when it says your sinful nature was put off when you were circumcised by christ now i'm trying to do this talk in 15 minutes and i'm already over but like i've said before i won't charge you extra for my time it's it's uh it's the same either way i'm kidding a lot of folks here that don't know me i'm kidding i say a lot of stupid things that i wish i wouldn't have said that was one of them all right i take it back i repent all right but but, so, but I did some of these things beg explanation. All, all where does circumcision come in? Well, there, there's not time to get into this at length. But in brief, in the Old Testament, circumcision was the sign of God's covenant people having made covenant with Him. In the New Testament, baptism is the sign that we've made covenant. And so, in New Testament, in, sometimes the New Testament will talk about baptism as Christian circumcision that that's the sign of the covenant that we have made with God through Jesus Christ and so here now let me read this text again your sinful nature was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead so when you are baptized Something that has to do with your sinful nature is cut out, and you are raised now in covenant with God to live a new kind of life. You are raised with Christ in baptism. But the key here, notice, it's you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And finally then, to talk about how powerful that is, baptism is where we become eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. So one more thing, Here's the power now of this. This is the beyond just getting wet and making a public confession part of this. And uh, it, 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 it is to say, well, the best illustration. Paul's writing to the Romans, uh, those, those first century believers who lived in Rome, and he writes to them about the grace of God that has come to us through Jesus Christ. And he celebrates grace so much that some people re- responded to him by saying, um if God is so graceful, if he does good things for us that we don't deserve, why shouldn't we just keep on sinning? Why wouldn't we just keep on living the way we've always lived? And it's in response to that that the apostle Paul says, Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that, the grace, so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He says, what a ridiculous thought. We've died to sin. Where did we die to sin? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like His. Baptism is the moment when we spiritually connect with the power of the resurrection. And part of that has to do with the defeat of sin, which was affected by Jesus through his dying on a cross, entering death, and because there was no sin to hold him, defeating death. When we're baptized, it's as if we connect with something that happened 2,000 years ago in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we're baptized with faith in Jesus, in our hearts. There's such a power that we are are buried, and this is why baptism happens by immersion. We are buried. In fact, the the Greek word baptizo actually has to do with immersion. We are buried so that we are raised to walk in a new life. So Paul says, uh, why would you think that we'd keep living the way we always lived? We were baptized. And when we were baptized the power of God did something in us that changed us in our very nature. That doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. But see, we used to be sinners who sin. Now we're people who have a new nature who sometimes still sin, but that's not who we are. It's not natural anymore. That's not our inclination. Something changes in us. You heard one of the testimonies from Ed Bennett a few minutes ago. He said people around him, and so many of you have experienced in, in, in this room, people around him say, what happened to you? You've changed Changed. Something's different about you. What 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 is that? Well, this is what happens when we confess our faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes in our life, and in obedience to his word, we are baptized, we are raised to walk in a new life. And the expectation is that we really become new people. We're the same person, but new people. Scripture says we are recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. So having said that, would you please stand with me? Thank you.